This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! Insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black today, the Thursday edition. Mo Moten, Scott Goldbranson with you. Thanks for being with us. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do so wherever you get your audio. We'd appreciate it. We also would point out. The free Odyssey app is pretty killer. Not only can you listen to our show there, but you can listen to great radio and other podcasts. Whether you're a Golden Knights fan, yes, the Stanley Cup champions of the NHL, yes. Okay, I can fanboy a little bit today. As if you're watching us on YouTube, you will see I am decked out in my Golden Knights gear, which before we got on the air, Mo gave me crap about, but we'll get to that in a second. But make sure you subscribe on YouTube as well. Hit subscriptions and the notifications bell. But also, again, download that free Odyssey app and you can follow all your favorite sports there. Mo Moten, he is the national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report, that little tiny website you may have heard of. Yes, he covers the entire league there. He also is a columnist at sportsnot.com covering your Las Vegas Raiders, where you can catch him once a week. We're going to talk about his column from this week around Josh Jacobs next segment. So after the break, we're going to get to more Josh Jacobs, which we spent a lot of time in around on Tuesday, but we're going to talk about it on this Thursday morning as well. But first, we're going to get to more Raider news. First of all, though, I want to welcome in, as we do a same-day release of our podcast, we're talking to you on Thursday morning. It's breakfast with Mo and Scott. Yes, Mo, you can you can smell the eggs coming out of his place. Or do you eat eggs or do you hate eggs like you hate cheesecake? Grits, cheese, eggs, sausage, and or bacon. In yes, the morning, sir. My go-to meal. That's the meal. That's the breakfast meal of champions out here in New York City. If not, you're running to the corner store for bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> uh, but today I decided to stay in and have grits. And that's that's the go-to with eggs on the top, of course. So I'm, I'm an egg guy. Okay, so you make your own grits. Uh, yes. do, you ha- do you have anything special, the way you prepare them? Do you just do them traditional? What's kind of like the, the Midtown Mo grits recipe? The grit, The cheese that you put on top of the grits has to melt on top of the grits. Mm. I know some people do different things with their cheese. Sometimes people just have the cheese mixed in with the grits. I like to have the cheese on top of the grits melting on the top as I'm eating it with the black pepper on the top. That's just how I grew up eating it, and that's 
Yeah. That's how I that's how I do it now as an adult. But I've been I've been cooking grits since I was maybe I don't know, in my or before my teen years. Yeah, and and so so it's like a cheese cap on top of the grits. Yeah. Yes. yes. Exactly. So so I I also too like that. I also like my pasta that way with the cheese on top. So so yes. So I'm with you on that. And by the way, I don't think you you don't have waffle houses in New York City. No. But we have waffle houses and their grits are good. They're not great, but they're good. Like you know, you're driving somewhere, you got to stop and have some breakfast. But I always instruct them to do just that. It's like, hey, when you make the grits, I'd like cheese. But I don't want you to mix them in. I want you. I want them on top. Let them cook for a bit, so right. it melts and it gives you that. Oh, so yes. good. All right. Yes. So there we are. We're talking breakfast because we're talking to you on Thursday morning. <laughs> um, but Mo, let's get into some Raiders news. It you know it's that slow time, but some news is starting to pop out a little bit. We knew as we get closer to camp, and of course, camp things will liven liven up a lot. But Vic Tafer, our good friend over at the Athletic, reported that the Raiders are quote unquote likely, likely to sign Marcus Peters. And I'm going to read exactly uh, what Mo's piece talked about so that we don't um, don't uh, misquote him. But he said, quote, the Raiders seem likely to sign veteran cornerback Marcus Peters before training camp. Peters came in for a visit last month, and according to the league and the team sources, the two sides have stayed in touch as Peters tests the market. The Raiders have other veteran quarterbacks, blah, blah, blah. Peters 30 started all 13 games for the Ravens last year. So it appears, Mo that something we had talked about uh, early on when he had visited the Raiders was that the Raiders are looking for some veteran presence, some upgrades, if you will, at the cornerback position. Now, what does Peterson bring to the cornerback room if he indeed is going to sign with the Raiders, which it appears, which tells you that he tested the market, was not able to maybe get a deal uh, larger than perhaps the Raiders are presenting him. But you and I talked several weeks ago. Marcus Peters is not the same cornerback he was, but he is an upgrade for the Raiders for significant reasons. Talk a little bit about what he would bring to that cornerback room, which is really in a state of flux. But I, I wouldn't want to say leadership. I don't know what type of leader he is in the locker room, but he he knows he could play very well in man coverage, and that's what the Raiders play a lot under under Patrick Graham. The Ravens changed their defensive scheme under their new defensive coordinator, McDonald. Uh, Wink Martindale went over to the Giants. So the change in scheme may have impacted Marcus Peters' production a little bit last year. He's also, mm. when you're removed from, a, I believe, a, an Achilles injury or an ACL injury, one of the two. And so usually with a player at his age, it usually takes a year or two for him to get back to back to normal form so what the Rays are hoping is that he he gives them that veteran savvy on the back end because it is a young secondary and Vic pointed that out in his piece very well even though Jacorian Bennett looked well in OTAs and mandatory minicamp even though Tyler Hall looked well in OTAs and mandatory minicamp those guys don't have any or very little playing experience and Marcus Peters by far is going to be the most experienced player in that cornerback room in that secondary period without Deron Harmon back from the roster so the veteran experience, the knowledge of playing in a, man, in a heavy man coverage scheme, and just being that ball hawk on the back end is going to help mm. the Raiders as the Raiders have struggled, as I've said many times, to force some turnovers. Yeah, and, and to me, you, you're right. We don't know kind of the, the, the book on him as far as being a leader in the locker room. But you know with a young cornerback room, the name Marcus Peters brings a lot of gravitas with it, right? So, so him walking in the door – will make those kids better because, hey, it's Marcus Peters. They know all about him. They play the position. So to me, that is it. And the competition, clearly, 
that's what you do this time of the year, too, is you bring in veterans, you bring in guys off the street because you just want to push everybody. And I think with a young squad, that's very important. So, I again, I don't want Raider Nation to look at Marcus Peters as some savior because he's not the same player he was, but he's still very good. And he brings something with him that that defense hasn't had. And that is a track record of great success. And to me, just sending that signal and bringing somebody in who's been to the, the peak of the mountaintop, if you will, at a position has undeniably, Mo, huge benefits. Absolutely. And, and like I said, when you have, a, I believe it was an ACL for Marcus Peters, got hurt before the 2021 season started when the Ravens had a rash of injuries between their running back position and just across the roster. Sometimes it takes it another year before a player can bounce back. And along, and as, as I mentioned, along with the change in, in scheme, you know, you have you have to factor that into his production. But him being in the league as long as he has been, and just having the knowledge of the game, I think is I think is very important for the Raiders, especially in that division with Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson, who could bounce back. You're gonna have to respect Marcus Peters in man coverage because you know he can pick one off and take one back for six. And I think with him being on the back end, it gives it gives it gives quarterbacks that second thought when you're, when you're scanning your, when you go through your progressions, do I want to test Marcus Peters if he's having a game where he already has a pick or do I want to go over there and test Nate Hobbs or Ja'Cory and Bennett if he's on the field or David Long Jr. or Duke Shelley. So I think having Marcus Peters on the back end also forces quarterbacks to make those second decisions. That could be the wrong decision. Right. And he knows the division, right? I mean, uh, yeah, going back a few years, but having played in Kansas city and, and knowing their system, knowing a lot of the division, the teams have changed, but still, you know, you, you, you have familiarity with it, which makes you, I think, come in much more prepared to have impact there. Uh, you look at that position too. When we talked about safety, Trayvon Morick spoke to the media last, last week and, you know, everybody this time of the year is like, hey, yeah, I had struggles last year, but now I'm ready and now I've done this and I've worked hard and I've done that. Um, that Raiders defensive backfield outside a cornerback, too, I think you're going to see at least a couple more, if not more than that, players that they bring in over the next few weeks as we roll into camp because they really do need to figure out who's going to make it, who's not going to make it. And you can't wait till the regular season. You really got to use camp to sniff out and then as a as a front office and as a coaching staff, you need to make decisions to say, hey, when we head into this season, we got the right guys in the right spots and we feel pretty good about it. I think if Marcus Peters does sign, I think they'll be done at cornerback because they've already brought in Duke Shelley, David Long Jr. Tyler yeah. Hall has had generated some buzz at, at spring workouts. Right? So I think if, it's, if Marcus Peters is in, they're done shifting at cornerback unless someone gets hurt. I've mentioned I was still bringing a veteran safety. They haven't brought Deron Harmon back, but I think that's always an option if they don't like the progression of some of their young safeties. Uh, Vic mentioned that if Trayvon Merrick can't step up, then they're hoping Chris Smith, too, mm. can uh, take over. Now, I, I, I'm i a little lukewarm on Marcus Epps. We'll see what happens there. A lot of fans like Isaiah Polamau, I think you know he's going to have to have a strong preseason to get on the field a lot in the regular season. But I would still bring in, as you as, – if. Assuming if the Raiders do sign Marcus Peters, like the cornerback position, I would still bring in a veteran safety. Yes, absolutely. I, I would expect them to. Uh, if they didn't, I would be shocked. So, But then we were shocked last year when they didn't bring in any offensive linemen. So you never know. Uh, it, it's going to go with the staff and the front office if they feel comfortable with what they have. But clearly, at safety, 
there's still some tweaking to do there and some some insurance policies that need to be purchased, even if you never use them. So we'll see how it goes. And, and the cost of that is pretty low. All right, we're coming up on our first break when we come back here on uh, Silver and Black today. Mo and I are going to get into his latest column, which if you haven't read up on Sports Night, you can go do that. You could pause us. You could do whatever you want and go read it and come back. But we'll, we'll run you through it because the guy who wrote it is sitting here right with me. <laughs> That's right. So we'll be able to do that. It's Josh Jacobs. I know some of you stop talking about Josh Jacobs, blah, blah. Well, no, that's what we're going to talk about because it's a big deal. And Mo will tell you why. And we might just disagree a little bit on this. Hmm. A little disagreement in the morning with our grits and eggs and sausage. All right. You're listening to Silver and Black today, the Thursday edition with Mo and Scott. We're coming back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Good morning. If you're listening to us in the morning, that's when this podcast is released on Thursday, June 16th. If you're listening to us in the evening or Friday on the weekend, hope you're having a good weekend. This is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Mo Moten, national NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me at LV Gully. Also, the show is SNB Today, so thank you for being back with us. We're going to talk about Josh Jacobs again. If it triggers you, now you can move ahead to segment three, the mailbag segment, or (laughs) you can stick around and hear an informed and objective opinion from Mo Moten, who this week wrote a column on Josh Jacobs, what he means, and how the Raiders have little wiggle room if they can't come to an agreement, if he doesn't sign his franchise tag, we all know about the social media post. We talked about it on Tuesday. Josh Jacobs saying he's uh, doing it for those that come after us, in essence. You know, he's trying to raise the running back market. Mo, we heard uh, on Wednesday, actually, that the Giants are talking to Saquon Barkley. We heard he turned down $13 million. The Giants withdrew the offer. Then we heard it's $14 million, and now maybe that offer or something close to it was on the table there. Let's start with that first before we get into your piece. If Marcus, P- excuse me, if Marcus Peters, if Saquon Barkley gets $13 million a season from the Giants, what does that do? How does that set the market for Josh Jacobs, who is the defending rushing champion of the NFL? That allows Josh Jacobs to say I want a little bit more than that because not <laughs> only has he won – not only did he win the Russian Town 2022, but I believe he led the league in, in uh, yards from scrimmage. Yes. And also, Saquon Barkley has had you know, a history of injuries. So I know Josh Jacobs has been dinged up, but he hasn't missed a ton of games. 
Saquon Barkley missed nearly a whole season. <laughs> I believe he mm. missed, you know, more than 10 games between 2019 and 20, 2020 and 2021, I believe, or 2019 and 2020. But there was a two-year stint where Saquon Barkley wasn't on the field very much. So Josh Jacobs could say, I've been more I've been more reliable in terms of availability, and I have a rushing title, and I'm an all-pro running back. So whatever he gets, I want a little more than that. So and so Quan Barkley signs that deal for 14 million or 13 or 14 million, whatever the case is. Josh Jacobs can actually ask for a little more than that and tack on a million or a million and a half from what uh Saquon Barkley gets. So again, when a running back gets paid, it helps the other running backs who are on the same tier. Right. And that was part of the statement that or the the sentiment, I should say. I can't speak for Josh Jacobs because I don't know exactly, but from reading his tweet. That's what he was saying. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I want to negotiate more for all of us. He's trying to bring up the market. Saquon Barkley doing the same thing. Now, Mo, we'll get into some of the, the intricacies of that and what that means later on. But let's address the column you wrote on SportsNot.com where basically your point was, hey, if, if they can't, if the Raiders cannot get Jacobs to either sign his franchise tag or they can't come to an agreement with him by July 17th, which is the deadline, um, on an extension and a new contract uh, that it doesn't look good for the Raiders there. And you pointed out all the reasons, including the change at quarterback has a lot to do with this. Walk people through your sort of uh, um, your equation on why Josh Jacobs would be so important to sign, to get wrapped up here before training camp uh, and what the, the intricacies of that are if they can't. The first thing I want to say, I want to preface my response by saying, I'm not saying the Raiders should bend over backwards to sign Josh Jacobs. I'm not saying that the Raiders should give him 15, 16 million just to get him into training camp. What I am saying is that Josh Jacobs is a lot more important to the Raiders offense than the average running back. Because I know the narrative out there is, oh, you can just replace your starter with a third or fourth rounder from the draft, a rookie, because it happens every year. A running back comes out of nowhere. An undrafted rookie comes out of nowhere and takes over the starting position. Look at Isaiah Pacheco in Kansas City. He was a seventh rounder and surpassed Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was a first rounder on the Kansas City Chiefs depth chart. Mm-hmm. With that said, just remember what happened with a lot of these situations where a running back is replaced. A lot of times that backup running back is in the system for a few years. Behind Josh Jacobs, if you if you remember last season, just go back one year, Josh Jacobs was a rushing champion because he carried the ball about 340 times. So that was the healthiest he's been as the most carries he's had as a pro. Now, as far as the Raiders quarterback situation is concerned, you mentioned with Jimmy Garoppolo, I mentioned this on the last show. In San Francisco, the 49ers were top five in rush attempts when Jimmy Garoppolo played 15 more games and the 49ers went to the, to the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. They were also had the fourth fewest pass attempts. So they took the ball out of his hands a lot. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the type of quarterback that's going to sling the ball all over the field and carry the offense with his arm. He needs a complimentary ground attack to succeed based on his history with the 49ers. You can't say what, what would have happened in New England because he wasn't really a starter, but he started two games with the Patriots as a backup for Tom Brady. But from what we see with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco as a starter, he needs a viable ground attack to, to flourish and be successful because he's not that type of quarterback that's going to throw the ball 500 times in a season. And with his durability concern, you don't want him throwing the ball 500 times no. a season because the more he gets hit, <laughs> increases the probability you're going to lose him for multiple weeks. So I think Josh Jacobs is very important to the Raiders' offense, even though they have Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, and Hunter Renfro in that passing attack. 
you have to remember the balance is what keeps this team on track. Because last year, Derek Carr didn't have a great year. And what happened when the Rays were winning games? What did they do? They ran the football. So I know a lot of people want to point out, yeah, they have Zamir White. They have Zeus Stone. He's got a lot of running while Josh Jacobs was out. And Sincere McCormick and Britton Brown. And I get that. But those guys are unproven. When the Dallas Cowboys decided to replace Ezekiel Elliott with Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard was in Dallas for three years before he usurped mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott. Before the Minnesota Vikings cut Dalvin Cook this offseason, they had Alexander Madison for three, four years. He, he was drafted <laughs> in 2019. So this, these weren't unproven guys that just came out of nowhere. These were guys that were in their team systems for multiple years before they took over for their starting uh, for the previous starting lead rusher on their team. So this isn't the same situation. You can't compare the two. And I know a lot of people really quick want to say, well, the Pittsburgh Steelers did it with Le'Veon Bell and James Conner. The Pittsburgh Steelers had a, a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback yeah. who, who, <laughs> who, 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 by the way, led the league in completions, pass attempts, and passing yards the year that Le'Veon Bell yeah. was out. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to put up those type no. of numbers. No, no. And and that's that to me in your column on sportsnot.com, by the way, go read it now. Uh, that that was the most salient point to me was, yes, because of how you've built this offense and because and, and most Raider fans aren't going to understand that. I mean, most Raider fans want Josh Jacobs there. They want to sign him. They want to pay the guy, as they say. So so I know I'm not arguing against them, but I, they also don't understand that with Garoppolo as quarterback, even if you liked Derek Carr, or you didn't like Derek Carr. Derek Carr could throw the ball a lot more than Jimmy Garoppolo does. It's a right. different type of quarterback. That's why Josh McDaniels brought him in because he's going to be that system guy. He's going to distribute the ball and run the offense efficiently if he stays healthy. That's what it's all about. Now, the question, though, here I have for you, Mo, is assuming, and, and again, your argument well based in, in the stats, in the system, in the history of the quarterback, and of course of the coach and the Raiders and what they're doing. At the same time, if you take the long look of this, this is the only point I disagree with you, and I don't know that it's disagreeing. It's more of just an alternative view of it, which is you're assuming the Raiders feel as though, or you're assuming the Raiders um, are going to build their team around Jimmy Garoppolo at this point, right? Which they have to. He's their starting quarterback. But if you look at the long future of it, are you comfortable giving Josh Jacobs a contract when we know, I mean, I looked up the data. If you look at, for example, one of the, the, the pieces of data they use to evaluate the effectiveness of running backs over the course of their career is the rushing yards over expected stat, right? So if you look at this, it goes down like it falls off a cliff after year five. There's a little peak up in year six, and then it completely drops off. So if you give Josh Jacobs, now, if it's a two-year deal, no problem. But if the Raiders are looking at this team, they don't even have their franchise quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, you and I agree, he's not that guy. He's not the guy you're building around. They still have to go get that guy. So I'm sorry. I think the Raiders are two or three seasons away from kind of knowing what the next five to ten years look like. If that's the case, do you still want to invest in that running back? I'm not saying you're wrong about what would happen to this offense if Josh Jacobs isn't there because we don't know. We don't have any history of the running backs. You can't just replace a guy and it's easy. It doesn't happen that way. But that point around the RYOE and how it falls off, if you give Josh Jacobs a four-year deal, even if it's front-loaded and it's for two or three years, by the time you build this team around the quarterback that you actually are going to build your team around, 
I think his career is done. So, so how do you balance that in your mind when thinking about signing Josh Jacobs? Because the Raiders aren't going to the Super Bowl this year. I'm sorry to tell people. <laughs> my, my sweet spot, and that's a good question, but my sweet spot for a contract negotiation with Josh Jacobs would be a three-year deal. Because okay, I know you brought up the, the stats and their and their accurate stats about running backs, about their production dropping off at their certain point. But if you look at the Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry, if you look at the Minnesota Vikings with Dalvin Cook, those guys got second contracts and produced pretty well after they signed their second contracts. Now, as you said, you get to that third, fourth year, then it you know dwindles down down a bit. But as I said, if I give Josh Jacobs a three year deal and he's not and he doesn't want to reset the running back market and make 15, 16 million. I think a three-year deal in that 13 to $14 million range is fair because then you can maneuver the money. You can front load it. Yes, so that, that's okay. true. True. And the first two years will give you most of your money. And that third year, you may have very little guaranteed money. So if there is a drop-off in that third mm. year, you could just cut them or trade them. So yes. there are a lot of things you can do with a contract to kind of maneuver things so that you get the most out of a play, you get the most bang for your buck, so to speak, in those first two years. So that in that third year, just like you would do a quarterback contract, and that third year, you can part ways with the player if you see there's a drop-off in production. See, and that that's why I asked you the question, right, is to lay that out. Because I think, again, uh, for those of us who geek out and look into all this stuff around contracts and the, the salary cap and all that stuff, we really look for those things. Most fans just want their guy. They want, their, they want Josh Jacobs in the backfield for the Raiders this year because they know they're going to need him to have a chance to win some games. But I wanted to lay that out because I think it's important the way you structure the contract – Front load it two years, absolutely. Third year, not as much. And if he earns it, great. There's there's some elevator clauses in there that if he if he continues to be the 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 running back that bucks all the stats from the past, let's say, great. Then you get rewarded for it, and the team wins both ways. So good stuff. All right. Well, there you go. Make sure you go read his column, Mo's column, up on sportsnot.com. A really good one. You will learn a lot. That's the great thing about most writing is it's not just reading so you know what's going on. It's reading and understanding more. Not all pieces do that, right, Mo? I mean, you, you really try to lay it out for people and breadcrumb it, as I call it, so that they can understand. So that when they have conversations with other fans, they come from a point of knowledge. And I try to put it in layman's terms. I think when I, because I, I read other pieces out there, I think some people try to sound too smart. They try to flex <laughs> their NFL knowledge, and they wind up losing the reader. I try to just lay it out in, in simple terms, as you, as if you were talking to me at a restaurant, a bar, a lounge, wherever, and we're just talking football, and I just happen to have a sheet of the numbers with me, and I can just kind of flesh out my point if you're willing to read past the headline. But again, I try to keep it in simplest terms so that people can mm. digest it, understand it, and have their own opinion. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to force my opinion on people. This is just my objective view. You can agree with it. You can disagree with parts of it. You can take some of it and have it for your opinion, whatever. But this is just my point of view and just some of the things you should consider with Josh Jacobs and his negotiations with the Raiders. Absolutely. By the way, I never get accused of sounding too smart. Why is that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I want to be too smart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, good stuff. Okay, we're going to take our final break here on the Thursday edition of Silver and Black today, an Odyssey Originals podcast covering the Raiders. When we come back, we're going to get to you. It's all about you. That's right. The Raider Nation mailbag segment coming up right after this. You're with Mo and Scott. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. It is the home stretch on the Thursday edition here on the 16th of June or 15th of June. Do I have the day I'm off? It's the 15th. Come on, Scott. The 15th of June, we hit the middle point 
of the month, the sixth month of the year. So we're in the middle of the middle of the year, right? Because June's the middle month of the year and it's the 15th. Okay, you're with me. All right, if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do so wherever you get your audio. Check out also the free Odyssey app where you can listen to a world of sports music, you name it. And you can also listen to the show there as well. You can also yell around your house, hey, Alexa, if you have the Amazon device or whatever device, the Google device, and say, what the heck is Mo saying today? No, you have to say silver and black today, and it'll pop up, and you can listen to it there. So thanks for being with us. He is Mo Moten. He is the NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. Covers the entire league. Follow him on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully, as well as the show being SMB today. Okay, we're going to get into your mailbag. Mo, are you ready to mix it up with the nation? They have some questions, some good questions this week. There's always good questions. Nobody insults me or you, which is good. We bring those on occasionally. <laughs> That's the other thing, too, though. We joke about that. So every once in a while, we'll get an email. Usually our emails are not insults. They're just kind of like criticisms, which we, we take. We, we love, actually, because if we have somebody's critical of us, totally fine with it. If it gets ugly or nasty, I just don't give it the time. I'm always interested that some people will respond to kind of like crazy people. We try not to every we lose our cool every once in a while as individuals yeah. and somebody gets crazy on us and we have to respond. But most of the time, I like the criticisms or, hey, you guys could do this better or do that. But the crazy people, I never understood why other shows, journalists that write whatever online, why they give those people credence. I think it's human nature sometimes. Mm. And, I, and I think this is true. You can get you can write a column, right? And you can get a thousand compliments on that column. But you'll get that one criticism and you and you go off on that like, one. What are you criticism. doing? Right. That was brilliant. It, it, what are you talking right, about? Right. Because everyone else is patting you on the back and that one person is like, eh, no, I don't like this. And it, it kinda <laughs> it, it, it'll it'll trickle you. And I think that's a natural reaction from people that yeah. we pay more attention to the negative than the positive. Ask athletes, right? That yeah. have won championships and have lost championships. They'll tell you they'll never forget the championships games that they lost those those nba right. series those football games those super bowls that they that they came up just short those hurt a lot even though they've won one or two before or after yeah. that one that they missed out on it hurts them so neg it, it goes the same with negative criticism sometimes it does and it's really interesting because the fact that we think everybody should like us right and, and think about it from your own perspective and listen i'm human most human Every once in a while, you might I might like be in a social situation, right? I have buddies here in town and we we hang out, we have some bourbon, we smoke a cigar, and they'll bring somebody new. Most of the time, cool, everybody's good. But every once in a while they bring in somebody and you're like, eh, I, I don't really care for that guy for all kinds of reasons. Just, you know, we have we have individual biases, we have individual feelings, like we click with certain people, we don't click with other people. So when when we get comments on YouTube, whether they're criticizing Mo or they're criticizing me or they're criticizing the show, whatever. Like, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Go watch something else. Like, no problem. Like, I don't take offense at it even unless, you, you know, every once in a while they'll make a, appearance jokes or they'll talk about this guy's, that guy, this, whatever. But it's interesting that people want that, 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 that affirmation. And really, the only affirmation you can give yourself that really matters is inside. Uh, inside and also your loved ones, the people you really care about. So that's what we do here. We don't mind criticisms. We love when you guys tell us. We get people to tell us our sound is bad on this episode <laughs> or you guys are wrong on that. And we're wrong all the time. So it's good. You tell us, hold us accountable. We're good with it. But we what? didn't have a lot of that. Go ahead. 
One thing I, I want to say, though, because a lot of young writers reach out to me, writers yeah. in school and college, they reach out to me. And, and one of the first things I tell them is, if you're a sensitive person, this isn't <laughs> this isn't the lane for you, because yeah. from the gate, once you get a platform, once you get a big enough platform, you're going to get criticized every day. There's not one article, not one column that I put out, maybe here or there. There's not one column that I put out that everyone totally agrees with it. The Josh Jacobs column that I put out uh, yesterday, you know, I had I have a good friend. I, I wouldn't say friend, but Twitter guy that that we converse a lot about the Raiders and he's a really good guy. I think it's Oakland Raiders history, 1976 or something close to that. Mm-hmm. He disagreed. Mm-hmm. And, and I was I was totally fine with that. I didn't argue with him. Like, like I said, I'm not trying to force my opinion on anyone. I know people are yeah. going to disagree. But whatever you write, whatever you say on these podcasts, there's always going to be somebody who disagrees with your point. You, can, you just cannot get triggered by that. You can't. Or you're a tire. So, for example, and I'm bringing this up just for fun. Um, and I wasn't mad about it or, or hurt by it or anything like that. But the last video I wore my Padre hat. My San Diego Padre. I'm a San Diego Padres fan. I grew up in San Diego. The Padres have nothing to do with the NFL or the Raiders. Like, there's no correlation. Doesn't matter, right? Now, I know a lot of Raider fans are Dodger fans because of the L.A. time. I know a lot of Raider fans are also A's fans, and they're going to move to Las Vegas now. Bill got approved. Stadium's funded, by the way. Uh, but but Padre had has nothing to do with the like nothing to do with the Raiders. So a guy commented, he's like, oh, dude, I had to turn the video off. Guys wearing a Padre hat. It's like... Why? So I, I actually, out of curiosity, I'm like, what do you mean? It's just a Padre hat. I'm a Padre fan. Well, dude, you can't. That sucks, man. Why? And he, he couldn't answer why. And at the end of the day, it's because he doesn't like the Padres. And that's cool. So if you don't want to watch our show and you're a Raider fan and you don't like the Padres, even though we're not talking baseball, that's cool. I mean, you, know, you, you, you watch what you want to watch. But I just find it interesting that people will be closed off to content because of something somebody's wearing. Your hat, for example, everybody mistakes your hat as a Brooklyn Nets hat. It's not a Brooklyn Nets hat. It's a Brooklyn hat because that's where you're from, okay, where you live, wherever you're at. You're a New York guy. You're Midtown Mo to us, but nonetheless, you you, you have your Brooklyn hat on. People will be, oh, what are you wearing? To Bro-? it's, well, it's not. Whoa. Read it, read it people. Where does it say Nets? Read it, it people. Doesn't, doesn't it doesn't say, say Nets anywhere on the cap. It says Brooklyn right. on the top, Brooklyn on the bottom, DK in the middle. <laughs> no Nets on the hat. But it looks like it, right? And But the funny thing is, back to the Padre cap, I said, <laughs> do the Padres play the Raiders? No. Have the Padres insulted the Raiders? No. Have they ever insulted Raider fans? No. So what's the big deal? I also wear a Baltimore Orioles hat because I like Brooks Robinson from the 60s, and I'm also a hat guy. I have a Kansas, I have a Kansas City A's hat which I wore one time and people were like, why are you wearing a Kansas city hat? And I'm like, uh, you don't know your history, right? Maybe I could teach you something. It's an A's hat. Where do the A's play? Well, they're about to play in Vegas, but they're an Oakland team. So it's just interesting. Uh, in today. So I try to use my attire to educate people sometimes. Mo, <laughs> I will say this too. And you have to watch out for this. There are, there are trolls out there who will just criticize anything. Sure. Just because, as you said, they're for whatever reason, they don't like the show. They don't like you. They don't like yeah. me. They just want to find something to criticize. They'll they'll find any little thing. Correct. They I'm not going to watch the show because they do the same thing with with columns. They go, oh, I stopped reading after you said this or I stopped reading <laughs> after you said that or after you wrote that. And it's like, fine. OK, a mm-hmm. lot of times it's not true. They, they're just trying to troll you. Number one. 
Yeah. Number two, some of them will be back and they'll wind up watching or reading down sure. the line. So I, I don't worry about it. Well, and, and and listen, I I love people out there. I love interacting with people. And and again, I don't tell people how to fan. Uh, and 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 again, I take it all in jest. I really do. I mean, unless unless you are stalking me or something, which we've all had issues with that before. I, I don't really care. It's all good. But I love the discussion. I like the debate. So if you want to talk about something, cool. It just, but it's also a a little mini window. And I know we're off subject here. We're going to get to your mail in a second. But it's a mini window into, I think, what's so wrong with us today as a society. And we all are in part of that. I'm not picking on one group or the other because we don't want to hear the other side. We want to take what we believe to be true. And if you say something opposite of that, whether you're right or wrong, whether you have data or good information behind it, we're just going to shut off. And that's why we find ourselves so polarized and so at each other's necks today because we won't freaking listen if you just listen to people i there's plenty of people i disagree with but you know what i always listen because i never know he, they might bring up a point and say huh. now i know sports is different if you hate the chiefs you hate the chiefs i'm nothing i say if i'm a chiefs fan to <laughs> make you like the chiefs i get it but in general though just be open-minded and listen it might reaffirm your opinion or you might take something into account and say you know what i didn't think of it that way i still disagree but now at least i better understand you doesn't work like that in, in this world, Scott. That would be utopia. Uh, especially online. But all right. Okay. So let's get to questions here because we got some good ones from all over the world. And I do mean the world, the globe. For those of you who don't believe it's flat, um, we'll get into that as well. So here we go. Uh, first email from a good friend of ours. It says, greetings from England, fellas. I have a question for you. I will not do it in the accent to save you all that pain. Uh, do you think the Raiders have a shelf life in Las Vegas? How long will a win-crazy city wait for us to be a success? The NFL will start to get twitchy soon if we're not in the playoffs regularly, but will the pressure start to mount on Mark Davis? Kind regards, that's Paul Edgerton in Shroffsfire, England. Paul, also a big listener and a donator over at, um, at Raiders Fan Radio, too, because when I'm watching with Murph over there, Paul's very active over there. Paul's a great, great member of Raider Nation. So, Paul, oh, this is interesting because... Raider fans are conditioned to, even though it happened over decades, Raider fans are conditioned to their team being nomadic, okay? And I haven't talked a lot about it, even with you, but I'm working on a book on the Raiders' move to Vegas, right? And one of the things, as I was doing research on it, is the fact that, yes, nomadic, right? Even their start in the Bay Area, the switching stadiums in the early 60s at the beginning of the franchise, then, of course, Los Angeles, then Oakland, then Vegas. So Paul's question here about, or two points to this question. One is just the nomadic nature, the NFL's expectations in Las Vegas. And then, of course, Las Vegas now, Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup, the WNBA Aces won whatever their championship is called last year as well. Does the pressure start to mount on Mark Davis? I'm going to take the first part of this, Mo, and I want to get your response, which is the nomadic nature. So for those of you who weren't around or didn't pay real particular attention at the beginning when the stadium deal and the move to Las Vegas was happening, the whole funding, all the stuff with the stadium, including the NFL's loan, um, it's a 30-year deal. So the Raiders are in Las Vegas for 30 years. I know in the past they signed long deals in Los Angeles, all that stuff. It's different here. They have their own facility. They built in Henderson, of course, the Intermountain Healthcare Facility. 
They have Allegiant Stadium, brand new, just a few years old. Now, down the line, do they want improvements to that stadium as it ages? Of course, that always happens. But there's no chance, in my view, the Raiders leave Las Vegas uh, probably in the rest of my lifetime. And for most of you who are younger, uh, unless you're a really old dude, there's not even going to be a chance to do it because of the way things were structured. So, Mo, I think people are used to the Raiders moving around, but they really have the roots in Las Vegas now. And I don't think they're going to move. You can You can never say never. But at least over the next generation or two, I don't see it happening no matter what happens on the field. I agree with you there for the contract reason that you say, which I, I didn't know, so you educated me there. But there are two perspectives of this question. From a fan point of view, I think fans will look at the Aces and look at the Golden Knights who you're representing today on the show and say, those are winning franchises. And I mentioned this to you um, through, I think it was through text not too long ago that, you know, you had the Aces who won. You had, you know, you had the Golden Knights who won. And in their first year, they you said they went to the Stanley Cup. Now, fans in that area, that local area, are going to say, well, you know, what about the Raiders? You know, we, we need the Raiders to be good. And and I think you're going to see more fans grow up of, not to say the WNBA is, is popular in the NFL because it's not. Right. But you're going to see young fans maybe gravitate towards other teams that the Raiders don't pick it up. So I think the pressure's on Mark Davis to have a winning franchise in the sense that you want more fans, more of your fans, Raider fans, in the stadium and not visiting fans because Mark Davis pointed that out, I believe, recently that he was tired of seeing opposing fans mm-hmm. taking over stadiums. So that's that's mm-hmm. one part of it. The other part of it is if if the Raiders are making money in Vegas, the NFL is not going to care. I know fans think <laughs> it's about you know winning. And for them, yes, it is about winning. But for the NFL, it's about making money. Are the Raiders generating cash while they're in Vegas? And I think if, as long as they're generating printing money out there, there's there's no reason to think that oh the NFL is yeah. going to get bitchy about oh we got to get the Raiders out of Vegas because they're not winning. It's are they making money? Right. And not only that, but I'll say this too to your point about the money because and this is not a criticism, by the way. When I say this, I'm not saying this in jest or to be a smartass. The NFL is about money, Business. money, cash. Yeah. Greenbacks, Benjamin, whatever you want to call it. It's a business. It's an entertainment business. Whether a team wins or not doesn't matter if they're in the if they're in the black. Okay. So imagine worst case, and the Raiders need to develop a home field advantage to Mark Davis's point. They got to do well so that people want to get in the stadium and they don't sell their tickets, the whole thing. It, it, no question. I'm not questioning that. I agree with that. But if the Raiders were to go 0-17 for five years in a row, they will still make money. And all of those seats will be filled because fans will want to go to Las Vegas to see the game. That's the beauty. That's one of the beauties of setting up shop in Vegas. And the NFL knew it because, yeah, okay, you might not sell out every game if the Raiders were that bad. But every Chicago fan, hey, for the weekend, who doesn't want to go to Vegas? Every New York Jets fan, oh, great. Every New Orleans Saints fan, great. Let's go to Vegas and see the game. I mean. That's the beauty of the market. And I think people at first were criticizing the market, saying it was too small. Uh, They missed out on that point. It's a destination. When you have a destination location, that's what's going to happen. So that's it. But I will say, and I go back to your first point about the winning. Yes, you now have two teams in the market have winning. The A's on this win streak, which is incredible, are going to be in Las Vegas within three years. Okay, who knows? Their ownership is terrible. I'm not talking about because of the, the, the move. I'm talking more about what they've been able to do and produce on the field. But either way, 
the pressure to win, and I, I talk about it all the time, and we'll have to get our good friend Alan Snell from Las Vegas Sports Business in to talk about this as well. There's only so many entertainment dollars. You're going to spend your money on stuff, right? You have a pool of money, discretionary income that you're going to spend on games, movies, whatever it is. And so Vegas being the way it is, yeah, you're going to go with the winner. So Gold Knight tickets last year went down. This year they went way up because they played well, and now they won the Stanley Cup. So guess what? It's going to be hard to get a ticket next year. So you, you, you win, and that all, all that stuff comes with it. So we'll see. But the one thing here, too, and we'll have to get into another time because we want to move on, and we thank Paul for his question, is the Mark Davis equation. If the Raiders can't organizationally be consistent, not only on the field but off the field, meaning that can they keep a GM, can they keep the president, can they actually move things forward, because it's not been that way other than Mark Bedane's long tenure, then, then, then the question on whether or not if he's the right owner will come up but he is the owner so unless something crazy happens they can't force him to sell it he's not daniel snyder right so we'll have to see but but a very good question you put it very simply paul but a lot of tentacles and and pieces there mo uh that we could get into and so thank you for your question paul all right you ready to move on mo absolutely all right here's another one scott mo realistically i don't see the raiders winning more than six games Yet I think JMD, Josh McDaniels, will get a pass since the team is basically starting over at quarterback and is in a mini rebuild. What would have to happen? I love these hypotheticals. What would have to happen for McDaniels to get fired after this season? I don't want the Raiders to do so poorly the guy gets fired, yet I also don't think he's the long-term answer. Thanks and keep up the great work, guys. Raider Nation appreciates you. That's Glenn in Fort Hood, Texas. So I assume Glenn is either in the army or has something to do with the business around the army down in Fort Hood, Texas. So Mo, what does Josh McDaniels have to do to get fired? It's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> what does he have to do? What do I have to do to get out of here now? But um, <laughs> basically, and I agree, I agree with Glenn that even if the Raiders are not a playoff team and they're well below 500, I think Josh McDaniels gets another year simply because the way this team is constructed it seems like the understanding was it's going to take more than one year to rebuild this roster. So I think Josh McDaniels is back in 2024, unless, because there's <laughs> always a but or an unless or an exception, unless he loses the locker room. So we heard Devonta Adams chirp a little bit to uh, Marin Fader of uh, the ringer about he doesn't see eye to eye with the front office or direction of the team. Of course, he tried to clean it up publicly. Of course he would. Because he doesn't want to be a distraction or, or cause a, you know any type of friction in the locker room with the team or fractures. But we heard Devontae Adams chirp a little bit. Josh Jacobs is seemingly unhappy right now. He was a leader in the locker room. Devontae Adams is a leader in that locker room now that Derek Carr is gone. If those guys aren't on board or aren't, aren't on the same page with the coaching staff or the front office, there could be some issues there. Because I, mm. I, I draw some parallels to Matt Patricia, also coming from that New England Patriots coaching tree. When he went to Detroit, wasn't very well liked. Players said they worked hard for little results. Eventually, he wound up getting fired after, I believe, two and a half seasons. And the locker room was a mess. So what I say is that the Raiders can lose a lot of these games. And you can say, well, they are in the mini rebuild, which is true. But I think it has to do with the buy-in. If the players do not believe in the coach or the coaching staff or the front office, that's when you have to start to consider to make changes. Of course, you don't want to see that. No. But I think that's what usually leads to a lot of these changes, aside from losing for three straight seasons and not being competitive. It's what happens when you have a fracture between leadership in the locker room, 
players who are going to be around for a while and the coaching staff. If there's a fracture there that's irreparable, then you will see Josh McDaniels out after the 2023 season or before the 2023 season is over. But I don't necessarily see that happening because the Raiders right now with their leadership, especially some, I'm specifically talking about Devontae Adams, a very professional guy, not someone who's going to outwardly criticize the coaching staff. He'll give his opinion. Mm-hmm. But these aren't criticisms to say we need to get rid of Josh McDaniels. He's never going to come out and say that publicly. So with the Raiders having professionals in the locker room, I think they can keep that tampered down, whatever you know tensions they have. But I will say that if if Max Crosby and other guys in the locker room, Chandler Jones, start to sour on this coaching staff, then you have to consider making a move just to save some of those guys' tenure, salvage some of those guys' tenure, and not waste their prime years. I'm not talking about Chandler Jones because he's on the back end, but the Max Crosby's and Devontae Adams, you want to keep those guys happy. No question. There you go. I don't need to add anything to it because you answered it perfectly, my friend. There you go. So, Glenn at Fort Hood, Texas, we appreciate you for listening and for writing in. All right. Our last mail entry of the day of the week is this. Midtown Mo and Gully. He's both our nicknames. Amazing. Um, I love Josh Jacobs. I own the guy's jersey. But we can't pay him $14 million a season with the needs we have. Unfortunately, by the time we're ready to compete for a playoff spot, Jacobs will be in year seven. It's not just it's just not worth the money. Make him play on the tag and give him free agency to fend for himself. Can't wait for the new season and whatever it may bring. That's Nathan in Livermore, California. Now we spent the second segment talking about this with your column, Mo. And and I I this one side of me, of course, agrees with Nathan that yes, the money can be prog- problematic with a team that's still rebuilding. But reiterate your point about the structure. If you sign him to a three-year deal, for example, at 13, 14 million a year, uh, you can front load that right most so that it doesn't impact the team too much into the future. Right. So if you have a skilled front office contract financials guy, there are so many ways you can manipulate contracts and cap room. You can front load things, you can back load things so that you get the most bang for your buck. I suggest that you don't sign them to a four or five year deal, obviously, for a running back. Now, Josh Jacobs is only 25 years old, by the way, just turned 25 Mm -hmm. in February. So it's not like he's 27, 28 like Dalvin Cook. But he's still, at his age, he should have two to three more optimal years left in his career. So I suggest a three-year deal. Now, we don't know what Josh Jacobs is asking for. We don't know if he's asking for $14 Maybe Josh Jacobs is willing to play for 13. We don't know. We just know he's not willing to pay for $10 on a one-year deal. (laughs) But I think the big thing is he wants financial security – for more than one year. So that's why a lot of players don't want the tag because they want financial security beyond one year, especially at the running back position where, you know, running backs come and go. So you're looking for that financial security. So I think he wants more than 10 million, but we don't know exactly where he lands on, on his demands. If it's 13 million, 13 million for three years with a front, with a two year front load and an out after the second year, I don't think it's a bad situation for the Raiders at the running back position. It all boils down to, how you how you construct the contract versus what the what the face dollars are on the deal. There you go. Nathan in Livermore, we appreciate that. And I agree with you. I mean, I think that's where it has to be. It has to be it has to be favorable for both people. You want Josh Jacobs. I get it. He wants to take care of his family. I know he has several children, right? So he started his own family and um he's got he's got to think of that. And and look, you, you no one else is going to look out for you as much as you are in this world. So I get it. Uh, but at the same time, the Raiders have to be careful because they got a lot of work still to do if they're going to turn the franchise around on the field. 
and make it a Super Bowl caliber type team, you got a long way to go. The hill's big, and they're just starting their journey up that, so they need to do it. But uh, thank you for the, the message, Nathan. We certainly appreciate it. The other thing I just want to point out, and Saquon Barkley said this at his charity event recently, is some teams just need their lead rusher. Not every mm. team is built like the Kansas City Chiefs where you have Patrick Mahomes, so you can trade away an all-pro right. receiver and still have a prolific offense. And every team has a talent of the Philadelphia Eagles on both sides of the ball where they're so balanced on both sides of the ball, offensive defense that they can jettison a running back in the offseason and let him sign with the Carolina Panthers' Miles Sanders. So back to my point in an earlier segment, with Jimmy Garoppolo, you need to keep him healthy. And when he's successful, usually you have a run-heavy offense. That's what the 49ers did with him. That's why I think Josh Jacobs is so important and why you cannot take a chance with an unknown at running back because it's Mayor White. I believe he had 17 carries last year. 17. Oh, so Britton Brent Bar- barely saw the field if, if he did. And Brandon Boland is like 33 years old. So yeah. Yeah. it's not like the Raiders drafted a guy in the second, third round this year. Then I would say, okay, Josh Jacobs doesn't have a leg to stand on because the Raiders drafted another guy early to, to right. replace him. And maybe that guy and Zamir White can pair up and, and be a, a combo. But Zamir Mike White barely touching the ball last year. If the Raiders get rid of Josh Jacobs and don't pay him, they're going into an unknown with a quarterback who doesn't carry offenses with his arm. Look at the 49ers game. Ask any 49er fan. A lot of 49er fans bring this up. When the 49ers went to the NFC Championship one year, got to the NFC Championship game against Green Bay Packers, they won the game. Jimmy Garoppolo threw six passes. <laughs> he threw six passes, and the 49ers beat the Green Bay Packers. So for the most part, if you look at Jimmy G's career as a star in San Francisco, he wasn't that guy. A lot of it was defense in the run right. game. As you know, the Raiders have had issues with their defense. So that run game is their best defense. Their run game allows the Raiders to keep posing offenses off the field while running the clock off. So that's why Josh Jacobs, again, is so important. Yeah, and I think the Raiders, by their actions in the offseason, show that they really want to and will come to some agreement with Josh Jacobs. You know, his frustration with the negotiations may have come out in that that very cryptic tweet. But at the same time, I, look, it benefits both parties to get something done. And I really believe that they will before the deadline. How it looks, we'll see. But um, I think I think they'll get things done. But you never know. You know, well, when egos get in the way sometimes on either side – Things can go crazy, but let's hope for Raider Nation. Let's hope for the Raiders. Let's hope for Josh Jacobs that that doesn't happen. Be interesting to watch. One quick comment about this Josh Jacobs situation. I I don't think he goes the Le'Veon Bell route. A lot of people worry. I don't think so either. He's going to sit out an entire season and want to play elsewhere next year. I don't think that happens. I I think it's either he gets the deal before July seventeenth, or he realizes that he has to play on the franchise tag. And I and I said and I said this before. I'll say this again. What, Dalvin, what happens with Dalvin Cook does matter for Josh Jacobs because if Dalvin Cook signs for less than $10 million, then you're looking at a top-tier running back who's not even making what the franchise tag is worth. So Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs, you know, teams can really say, well, Dalvin Cook, four straight seasons of 1,100 yards rushing. I know he doesn't have a rushing tie like Josh Jacobs does, but he is a top-tier running back. If a top-tier running back can't even make what the franchise tag is, then you have to look at these guys who haven't signed their franchise tag, Jacobs and Saquon Barkley, say, they're not going to get what they what they wanted, right? Which is why the teams aren't in a hurry to give them deals, right? Because if and, and Dalvin Cook may end up not getting a deal before the deadline on July seventeenth either. It might go into camp, um, but if you're an NFL team, you're going to like, whoa. Let's to your point about four straight seasons, eleven hundred yards. Let's wait to see what he gets. If he gets nine million a year, then the Giants and the Raiders are like, 
guys, look, you know, we yeah. might give you an ex- we, you're getting an extra million playing on the tag or whatever it is. So it'll, it, you have to understand that that's how it's going to play out because it is a business and people are waiting for that pin to drop to see where it's set so that they can um, have better negotiating position, as are the players, too. They're waiting to see, because if, if he got more than the tag, then you can go back to that. Or if Barkley gets $13, 14000000 million from the Giants, then Josh Jacobs says, guys, I had a better year. I haven't been as injured. Uh, what are we doing here? So we'll see how it all plays out. We'll have another month to see, a month and two days, actually, from today, to see how it all plays out. All right, Mo, we are done for this Thursday what do you got coming up uh, the rest of the week and the weekend going into next week that people can pay attention to on Bleacher Report or on Sports Not? Actually, Mo Moan is going to be MIA again for Whoa. another week. <laughs> taking some time off again? Back taking, to- some more, taking some more time off. I, I will want a quick shout out to Matt Holder at Bleacher Report. He's taking on a lot of the writing responsibilities so guys like myself and my two colleagues can can kind of take it easy in June and, and get some personal matters and things around our, our lives. And Because, you know, we, we have families and things of that nature that we, we have to get to, too. Of course, I'll still be here with you on Silver and Black today, but there will be no pieces out for the rest of the week. No Bleach Report live shows for, for about a week and a, and a half. I yep. will have a Sports Not column. I will be uh, putting out a column just t- going over – a big question for every position group on the Raiders. So mm. obviously the running back, will, you know, the question is going to be around Josh Jacobs. The quarterback will be around Jimmy Garoppolo. But there are other interesting questions about the offensive line, the defensive line, Tyree Wilson, the secondary that the Raiders must answer at training camp or before training camp. So I'll have that on sports, not next week. Yes. And I thought you were going to be on the float, one of the floats in the Golden Knights uh, Stanley Cup parade. No. <laughs> Oh man! Well, everybody knows I, I, how much I'll, you love hockey. I, I'll leave that to the to the Vegas locals out there to enjoy yeah. that. Uh, too bad, too bad. I haven't had a reason to celebrate a championship in, in my lifetime. I, I mean, <laughs> if you look at New York sports and New York landscape, we've had teams that have been close. Yeah, the Mets, in the, the Mets, few years, but it's just I, I've had nothing to really super celebrate. It, Congrats to the Golden Knights and the people out there to enjoy that championship. It, it, it's a feeling like, no, that I, I hope I get to experience that as a Knicks fan. Of course, I have to keep it tight. If the Rays were to win the Super Bowl, I have to, you know, the the 16-year-old me would want to pop out and celebrate, but I have to keep it <laughs> professional. But uh, I would hope that the, I could see the Knicks win a championship so that I can go outside and go crazy and cry uh. light poles. See, this, 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 this is my first professional one as a fan which is why it's, I mean, at, at my age, it's incredible. It's taken this long for that to happen. That tells you that I don't pick wisely with my teams, obviously. <laughs> um, but UNLV in 1990 was the last team that I had was invested in and as a fan that won. They won the national championship. It's a long time ago. So this one, this is the first professional. And uh, I will not be at the parade, but my son will be there. My friends, obviously, all out in Vegas will be there. So I'll be there in spirit. It'll be a lot of fun. All right, Mo, well, we will catch up with you early next week. And thanks to all the fans for bearing with us. I know some of you will probably comment and say, I heard construction in the background. They're building my second <laughs> home across the street. So bear with me on that one. That's why I'm going to be out for a week. I have to tend to my second home that's being built. That's right. He goes, he, that's, that's where he's going. He's going back to Abu Dhabi. He's get, he's got like four wives back there. He's breaking. No, I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. Uh, but no, we, we appreciate that you're going to get some time to yourself and we appreciate that you'll spend some of that with us. All right, Mo, we'll talk to you on Tuesday. 
Sounds good. All right. For uh, our producer, Mike Robier, for Mo Moten, I am Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey Regional Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe wherever you get your audio. And if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you and appreciate the chat. As always, hit the subscription and the notifications bell as well there. Take care, Raider Nation. We will be at you again on Tuesday. Yes, we'll talk to you about what's happening in Raider Nation. We enter this little dead period. Got some cool guests coming up, so stay tuned and watch for us there. For everybody here, we wish you the best weekend ever. Yes, the best weekend ever. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care.